Hi everyone, Daniel Ramsey here, the CEO of My Outdesk and the host of Scale the Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to having conversations that unlock the exact formula and strategies multi-million and billion dollar companies use to scale their business. You can visit me on our website at scalethepodcast.com or listen to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. How do you walk away from that culture and build a new one and what does that look like today? Walk away from the mob culture? Yeah, because there's culture, um, there's values, right? There's a particular set of values, and then you walked away from those, those, and you, you you're building a new life, or you've built a new life. I'm just kind of curious what that experience was like. Well, you know, I think it's you got to go back to who I am personally. You know, I told you that there was guys waiting 20 years to become a member of that life. Yeah. That wasn't me. When I grew up, uh, I was going to be a doctor. My mom and dad wanted me to go to medical school. This was their dream for me. I was a pre-med student at Hofstra University when my dad went went into prison for 50 years. Mm -hmm. If you would have asked me at that point in time, Michael, what do you want to be in your life? It would have been one of two things. I either want to be a doctor or want to play center field for the New York Yankees because Mickey Mantle was my idol and I was a ball player. I wasn't good enough, but that's what I wanted to do. And then my father gets thrown in for 50 years. And Joe Colombo has an influence on me. I started meeting a lot of my dad's friends. And now he's dead. I I sat down with my father in prison. I said to him, Dad, bank robbery? Because he was uh, convicted of masterminding a nationwide string of bank robberies. And I said, bank robbery? And he looked at me and he said, son, I'm innocent. I'm no bank robber. The four witnesses that testified against him were all drug addicts. From the time I was a kid, my father preached against drugs to me. He would make up stories about guys that hurt themselves with drugs. He put a healthy fear of drugs. I've never even smoked a joint, nothing. Won't go near it. I had tragedy in my family over drugs. I, I hate it. So when he said that to me, I said, my dad would never, never deal with these guys, never. So I believed him. I says, how are we going to get you out of here? 50 years, you're going to die in prison. And I lose interest in school because I started getting close to Joe Colombo. Mm. And I said, Dad, I met him in the visiting room at Leavenworth Penitentiary. I said, Dad, I'm not going to school. If I don't help you out, you're going to die in here. And we had an argument about it, you know, discussion back and forth. But I was a headstrong kid, and he knew my mind was made up. So he said to me, if you're going to be on the street, I want you on the street the right way. And he proposed me for membership. This was not my aspiration to be a mob guy. I just wanted to help my dad. So the reason I'm giving you the background is because when I made the trip, now when I was in that life for 20 years, I wanted to be the best possible mob guy I could be because that's just the way I do things. So, you know, I I excelled in that life. But um, so it wasn't, this was not my lifelong desire. So I think inwardly who I was was not the mob guy. If you understand what I'm saying. And, you know, you you probably don't know this, but I was married once before. Mm. Yeah, I was married very young to uh, uh, a girl. We had three children. Mm. We married for a few years. I had three kids in three years. So I have seven kids altogether. And I got six grandkids at this point. So, and family, even growing up, I mean, we were all about family. I mean, my my father was one of 19 kids. My grandfather, when we grew up in Brooklyn, made every one of us, we had to be with him on Sundays. 
all the kids, 19, all the grandkids. It was a circus every Sunday and every holiday. So we were all about family. So family's always been major in my life. You know, it's number one. So, um, you know, the transition out of the life wasn't that difficult because I wasn't made to be a mob guy, if you can understand that. I don't think I've ever explained this like this before. It's a first. So, no, I'm serious. But um, so the transition, even though I still have the mob mentality, if you talk to my wife and my kids, they think I'm a dinosaur because it's all about respect and it's all about, and they said, dad, we don't do that anymore. I said, no, we still do that in this house. This is the way I grew up and this is the way, because it's the right way, yeah. you know? So I still have the mob mentality that I, I can't shake that yeah. because it's embedded in me. What do you think, um, looking back at your life, what was the biggest high and what was the biggest low? Oh, the biggest low, I'll go first, was without a doubt, uh, the first night that when I was violated and they threw me back in the hole, um, that first night was the worst night of my life, no doubt. Because it was the first time in my life that I felt I had no control over myself or my future. I felt I was gonna lose everything, wife, kids, freedom, everything that was dear to me. And I didn't have the answers. I said, I'm done, it's over, I'm finished. It was a very bad night. I'll tell you how bad it was, Daniel. I used to demean people that were suicidal. I said, they're weak. How do you not face up to your troubles? You're weak. I don't do that anymore. Because that night I wasn't suicidal, I wasn't that brave, but I really wanted to close my eyes and not wake up. Because I couldn't, it was too torturous to think about my future being in solitary confinement for the rest of my life. Because that's what they said. I said, you're never getting out of the hole. Because I still, people wanted to kill me, and the government's still upset with me, because I wouldn't cooperate. They were gonna put another racketeering case on me. They violated my parole. I said, I'm done. Yeah. It's over. How'd you survive? Like, how, how do you go from your lowest moment to, you know, I'm okay, I can move forward? Well, I didn't do it alone. It was, that's when God interceded in my life, Daniel. That's when a prison guard came by and pushed a Bible through the slot on the door. And without getting dramatic, because I've said this a thousand times in my uh, testimony, that was a life-changing, it was a defining moment in my life. I said, we have defining moments. When I picked up the Bible and started to read it and spent the next 29 months and seven days in solitary, six by eight cell, 24 seven, was me and God. And I'm gonna tell you this, that's not easy. I don't care what anybody tells you. We weren't meant to be solo creatures. We were meant to be social. And I was tried and tested in every single way throughout that time. I had some very bad nights, very bad days. And you know, a lot of guys don't do well in that. I mean, those lights went out, you heard a lot of moaning and groaning and I saw some horrible stuff, you know, during that time that I, I don't even want to think about, but guys cutting their wrists and, you know, just couldn't handle it. And I get it, I'm not knocking them, I get it. I 100% get it. Um, it was the most trying, I think if you get through that, other than, you know, God forbid the loss of a child, uh, you can get through anything.